Does anyone want to do a I am Turok? Ooh. <laughs> 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 oh, you, yeah, you're primed. You're, you're primed to do it. I am Turok. I am Turok. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Flashback 64, the chronological Nintendo 64 podcast. I'm Gooey, joined by my co-host, McKenna. Hello. How's it going, McKenna? Good. Yeah. It's going good. Uh, and we've got some brand new, some great brand new guests joining us today. Uh, we've got uh, with us our buddy, our good buddy, slash patron, slash... Um, uh emoji expert uh quaid how's it going pal yeah good good just another day in paradise and we are joined by a youtuber uh gaming aficionado idolism jay hello jay yo what's up how we doing great great yeah it's a wonderful day i'm so excited um for this episode um but you're both new guests, so uh, we got to ask what we've asked everyone. Uh, Jay, I, we've been watching your channel. You cover a wide variety of topics. Uh, Final Fantasy lately, fighting games, uh, but even Mario 64. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I got to know, what is your background with the Nintendo 64 itself? Uh, I, I was... Uh primed at the right perfect time to be the 1996 1997 nintendo kid um so i was born and this is a common common question among guests so i'll just get ahead of it i was born in 1990 so that puts me yes at the perfect time uh and <laughs> right with me <laughs> uh so i was for all of the 90s i was a nintendo kid because at 1994 my neighbors gave me their nes and all their nes games because they had upgraded by then to the snes and just left that stuff in the dust and they gave it to me <laughs> um and then 1995 or 6 i got the game boy pocket and I had had my aunt come over, I think, with her N64 one one family vacation. And then 1997, you know, 1997 Christmas across all of the nation. Who who <laughs> among us was not opening a Nintendo 64? So, uh, if yeah. If you were just, cool, you were. All of the, all of the 90s, or I should say almost like almost all the 90s. A quintessential Nintendo kid, and then I pulled an incredibly hard branding change in 1999 when the Dreamcast hit, and I've been a Dreamcast boy ever since. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, but uh, I, I, my 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 teeth were cut on Nintendo and specifically okay. Nintendo 64. I like to hear that. So now, yeah, you've you've broken free, I guess, of the being just a Nintendo kid. Yeah, it was. I you know so, it was, in the 90s, it was a little bit more important which side of the fence you were on. Um, mm -hmm. hanging on to the Dreamcast Kid moniker is a is a title of a bygone era because Sega wasn't exactly around the war a whole lot longer after that one. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back around now though. The Dreamcast is getting, you know, it's getting a lot of uh, props. Yeah, lately. I don't know. I don't know when this episode drops, but we're only two days removed, and when we're recording from the twenty fourth birthday of the Dreamcast, which is 
uh, really helping with me picking out all my gray hairs over the past couple years. <laughs> well, it's never too late to wish the Dreamcast a uh, a happy birthday. Exactly. I, yeah. I've I've seen people say like that would be a good contender to do like a show like this just because everyone says it has such a solid library. Like there aren't a lot yeah. of misses. It's also it's also a small library, which helps. Yeah, right. Because um, <laughs> I've I've thought about doing something like that many years ago and i never got around to doing it and i probably won't do it because it's a large undertaking but um as you've seen my, you've my, got a lot of art my, my final fantasy <laughs> series is going to take me a couple years at minimum so I, I'm, I'm a little booked up yeah yeah i noticed like episode one was like 20 minutes and i was like oh and then it's like episode uh final fantasy 3 was like much longer and i was yeah. like oh no you're and i'm like thinking about how much like bigger and i've already i've already scoped the game glued in to like the, oh, i'm on final fantasy 4 now and that's like that's probably oh a two-hour episode i already beat the oh game boy. i wrote the script and i'm like there's an, almost no way this doesn't start to get real chummy with two hours well, the vi- the videos are are really cool. I really like uh, the chronological retrospectives of things. Like, I was just like seeing how stuff like that develops. So I think the videos are really cool for that. As someone who's only, I've only dived into like, I think I've beaten like three of the Final Fantasy games. So yeah. I've just gotten little tidbits. So when I found I, your videos like very informative. When I started, I had only ever I had played a number of them, but I'd only ever beaten seven and ten. And so this helps me kind of just cross them all off. And much like what we're doing here today, uh, the method of chronologically looking at something allows you to see what happens over time and over iteration. So much like why Mm -hmm. we're here today, uh, as this continues, we'll see more and more about what the Nintendo 64 started out as, as opposed to what it became. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm already getting that sense looking just you know, thinking about later games and stuff like that. But uh, Quaid, how about you? What was your what was your experience with the Nintendo 64? Oh, gosh, I had it, I think, Christmas 96, Super Mario 64. And just going from there. Oh, I I've been a Nintendo boy for my whole life. I think my brother mm-hmm. said because I got my brother had an NES. So I had that growing up, too. And he'd always give me crap for uh turning off Terry Ninja Ninja Trolls 2 on him when he almost beat it and I don't even remember oh. doing that when I was a little kid <laughs> so we had Super I, Nintendo through that too yep I have a little brother story like that that I'll, I'll be <laughs> oh. getting to way it's way it's for a way later game I don't want to give it away yet but uh, oh, that's fair that's fair. I have the added benefit of being able to bring my brother on the show and shame him so that's fair he had my brother had to bring up that story whenever i got married he just he couldn't let it go such a grudge right (laughs) but uh i i can uh, really i can i that that will linger for sure it's it's definitely you know there's times we couldn't share like games coming up in the future i remember we had two copies of uh revenge because we had a share problem which I thought was funny. <laughs> but uh, we had Super Nintendo and all that growing up, so I had that. I remember we had a Genesis at one point. Um, but really a huge N64 kid. I remember, like, pre-orders. I remember, like, when Yoshi's Story came out, going to GameStop, getting that, and a couple other games, just our special mm. GameStop spot. But um, 
So you've you been know, there since the beginning. Yeah, I just say I've been there since the beginning. NES <laughs> and on, I don't know how, but here I am. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad to have you both once again. Um, we're only this is the first time we're only talking about one game, uh, just due to the way things are laid out. But we do have a little bit for a little bit more uh, content here in our uh, flashback segment of what was going on. So uh, if you guys are ready, uh, we're going to flashback and see what's going on in the lead up to Turok Dinosaur Hunter. So we're, we're flashing forward from our last episode, which was in February, all the way to March 4th, 1997. The number one song of the time period was Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Like basically that whole time period is like, this is the dominant song of the era. We have a lot of the same previous top five songs that we mentioned before, but uh, one newcomer is Foolish Games by Jewel. And this, this was actually kind of interesting when I was looking into it, because it was originally, so that song was actually the B-side to another song of hers called You Were Meant For Me. And what happened was the album that this was on was, ended up being a bigger hit, like, I think oh, a year and a half after it was released. Like, it wasn't initially a hit. So, like, due to the way, like, the billboard and charting rules work, they eventually, they wanted to keep that single on the chart, but they had to, like, basically reverse it and have the B-side be, like, the lead single. Very, very goofy situation. All, all but... the records execs were like, oh, thank God, it's a vinyl. We just flipped this bitch around. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yep, yep. Same old sing or not the same old single. <laughs> um, as for albums, uh, we had Tragic Kingdom was on top in our last episode, but uh, it's, uh, it's uh, unseated by... Unchained Melody, The Early Years by Leanne Rimes, who was, she was just hitting it big, and so they, you know, released a collection of her early songs and it was big. And, uh, the album Secret, uh, Samadhi by Live. Any Live fans here? Negative. I uh, actually, I completely yeah. missed the Live boat. I'll be honest with you, I do recall this being the Leanne Rimes zone, though. I, okay, I, <laughs> that's a good am, zone to be in. I, I very much remember this being Leanne Rhymes' times. Well, actually, so I'll skip. A, I'll skip ahead, and then we'll come back. Because um, February twenty uh, sixth was the the ninety seven Grammys, and she did, I believe, win Best New Artist, even. And um, yeah, and Blue that song that was that was up for a lot of stuff. But uh, the, the Grammys were hosted by Ellen DeGeneres. Hello, Madison Square Garden! Hello, TV audience! Hey, Billy Bob Thornton! We, we actually watched them. <laughs> we watched the whole <laughs> 97 Grammys. The winningest person was Babyface, who produced uh, a bunch of songs. He produced Tony Braxton, and he produced... Uh, the Air, there was an Eric Clapton song actually that I think won like Song of the Year, right? Mm -hmm. That he produced, and it's one of those things we're looking back. It's like this is this is what they picked. They they picked a very like lame ass <laughs> Eric Clapton song, in my opinion. I, yeah, but, all the other songs I was like, yeah, this is awesome, and they played that one, and I was like, they were all like classic eh? songs, and then they were like, oh yeah, the the this Eric. What's Clapton this doing song. there? 
the the tastemakers love themselves some lame ass Clapton songs. As if there's anything yeah. I've learned over the years. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Artists who won two awards. We had Celine Dion, Tony Braxton, Cheryl Crow, and the Fugees. So, you know that that's hard. To, that's hard to argue with there. Yeah, that's that's a a, a standout winner <laughs> selection. The winner the winner circle strong on that one. Okay, so for movies, um, in our last episode, we talked about the the top movies of basically the whole run was the special edition release of uh star wars and it had like a three weekend streak of being the number one movie (laughs) to then be replaced by the special edition release of empire strikes back which is the number one movie for two weekends like looking back on the popular i know you guys talked about star wars a couple episodes ago with the uh shadow of the empire um episode uh it is very interesting to hear older generations talk about Star Wars and like the utter grip it had, and it's just kind of like a a signifier of just how strong Star Wars was when it came out. Because like my mom told me that my grandpa would just take them to see it like again and again and again. Wow! So like any any <laughs> yeah. sort of like re-release, like my grandpa was a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, that's, um, that's cool. So, like, when those things came out, like, the, the demand was still there for it. Oh, it was huge. Because that was, like, right before Episode 1 would release. But yeah. I think what also helped with the hype was also was uh, Shadows of the Empire. That's mm. what really got me huge into Star Wars, besides the uh, movies prior. We we have yeah, it's heard that. It's interesting to think of, like, when it was still incredibly popular, but not bloated. Mm. And how long <laughs> it was able to hold that 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 position yeah like i mean it's obviously still such a big franchise but it's kind of like interesting what you were saying was like that it was Mm -hmm. like those three specific movies held such a grip over everyone you know and there was like the books and shadows of the empire but like you know it was like for like a decade just people like thirsting for (laughs) this classic movie you know the secrets are at long last revealed Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. So I forgot this in our previous episode, or I missed it, or actually I don't really fully understand everything about this situation, but on February 5th, O.J. Simpson was found liable in the deaths of Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman in a civil court action. This is separate from the 1995 murder charge that he was acquitted from so that was something i was hinting at or like talking about in a previous episode of like this this was such a long drawn out drawn out thing that i it's hard to know it's hard for me to know looking back when i was only like five at the time like what were the big like parts of this so i missed mm-hmm. it but yeah so he was found liable in the deaths but he's he was not found he didn't you know, I don't know. I don't understand this stuff, the legal stuff. What do you think? Innocent or guilty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's kick up these old moves. I'm getting back in there. Uh, I have no idea. I was yeah, no idea. <laughs> but that was going on. It, was the trial. it took me forever to just know that O.J. Simpson was someone other than O.J. Simpson, that he was like, you know, a famous like football star or I like, whatever. Like, I only know him yeah. as O.J. Simpson from the trial. I had like a weird reverse engineer like back to why he's originally famous because i was like okay you know, like i'm i'm developing memories and i'm just hearing about a guy who maybe 
killed some people. Then it turns out he's in like one of my favorite movie series. <laughs> he's like one of the lead roles in a comedic movie series. Then I find out later, I'm like, oh, that guy is also was a football player. Okay. It all makes sense now. <laughs> On February 9th, uh, The Simpsons aired its 167th episode and became the longest running animated series in cartoon history. Uh, <laughs> February 22nd, Dolly the Sheep is the world's first clone mammal from an adult cell. Um, so cloning cloning is ever in everyone's mind. Um, February 24th, South Africa announces that it is making <laughs> the largest blimp in modern history. Did, did they do it? I don't know. That's just all I saw. <laughs> um, yeah, some consultant was like, hey, you guys remember the Hindenburg? How about we scrap this one? <laughs> <laughs> You know, we'll look back. We'll we'll see. Because okay. you know they yeah, they started making it. We haven't gotten there okay. yet in okay. the timeline. Right. So we don't keep know the yet. press release out. We'll keep them wanting, but they're just gonna quietly <laughs> shut this one. Oh, we have uh, because we have some more pro wrestling fans on here. I figure we can do another pro wrestling update Ooh. on WCW. They're still just they're still kind of cruising on the NWO thing. Like they're and they're winning, so it doesn't really matter. But they're just kind of doing you know NWO. Randy Savage is in there now. They're beating up DDP or whatever. But you can kind of see, uh, as I was watching Raw and stuff, that this is when the WWF is starting to put their pieces in play of what will be like their big tentpole stuff. So around this time, Raw goes to two hours, Monday Night Raw, the competing show. Um the uh rocky Maivia wins his first intercontinental championship and defends it successfully against hunter hurst helmsley who now has a mysterious super buff female bodyguard coming out to help him there's still there's still some you know set up there with china they're firing up stone cold steve austin he's starting to feud with brett the hitman hart and they had their first, actually, the day before Turok came out, they crowned the first European champion on Raw when um, the British Bulldog beat Owen Hart for it. So, uh, you know, that stuff hasn't fully taken over for them yet, but that's basically all, like, a lot of their big stars. And you can bet your bottom dollar that Stone Cold ain't gonna look at the referee and say, I quit, I submit. I've had too much. There ain't nobody. There ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. Were, were you watching this at the time? I was not watching at the time because I was too young and pro wrestling was still it, it kind of like magically taboo. And so mm. far as like parents didn't <laughs> want you watching it. And in, in reality, I've always thought back to this. I'm like, they're right. Like as as a, as a seven year old, I shouldn't have been watching the Attitude Era, um, but it was it was so indelible in the culture. Like it was, I, I knew everything about wrestling from just like book fairs and shit because <laughs> like it was it was unavoidable. I didn't know who wrestled for which company because I would just buy like fan books or like see magazines that talked about both simultaneously. It's just um, like they seem cool. Yeah, I was, it, but it was it was just everywhere. Like I. It, it, we're all my I, th I 
think we're all modern wrestling fans here. Uh, it is as much as we like wrestling nowadays. It is very hard to think back to a time when it was so unavoidable in the culture. And I For haven't sure, made my yeah. rewatch. I haven't, I haven't made it to 1997 in my rewatch. I've finished 1995 for both WWF and WCW. Wow, so I got through okay. the I got through the bad year, and I still like yeah. the bad year a lot. Yeah, there's uh, some cool stuff for sure. My, my 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 mildly hot take is that 1995 is not as bad as people say it is, and I actually kind of dislike 93 and 94 more. But that's only if you're watching mm. the television and not if you're just watching pay per views. I think okay. the reason they yeah. said 95 wasn't great was just because of how less popular wrestling was at that time. Yeah, but if you go back and see it, there's definitely worse things out there. Yeah, for sure. Diesel blows, but the undercards are still like pretty good, and Raw is an actual TV show. Whereas mm-hmm. like 93, 94, those pay per views are great. Um, and Raw is Raw is like Saturday Mania level of squash matches and no, no nothing. Who cares? So like if you're watching week to week, 93 and 94 are rough. <laughs> But 95 is fun because you start seeing all the people who make up the attempts at getting popular. So, like, a lot of people start debuting, like, Gold Dust and um, uh, Ahmed Johnson. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, some people make it to the Attitude Era, like Gold Dust, and some people don't. Like, Ahmed just barely gets there and then falls off. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, mm-hmm. um, he, like, the last I saw of him, he was, like, feuding with uh, Farouk. So like he's he's still around kicking around in ninety seven for sure. Um oh I didn't mention too, uh WWF right around this time was like attempting their own uh NWO invasion type angle because they, they start working with the ECW and so they have you see some people like uh who's the like well we watched the Taz match. <laughs> Ta- they they have like guys from ECW come in and they got Polly on commentary so they're kind of doing like oh no the, look at these bad boys yeah it's the the working agreement between those two companies at that time um a lot of cool stuff from that and ec if you get a chance i also throw this out there if you get a chance watch ecw 1994's television it's excellent it's some really? of the best stuff really really good you know i've never actually like really watched like a whole you know i've seen like mat like matches and stuff like that that are like iconic but i never really watched like a full ecw card i don't think if if you like wrestling that has a lot of heart and not a lot of production uh 1994 <laughs> ecw like the lead up to when they become extreme championship wrestling okay. and then afterwards uh there's a lot of really really there's a lot of heart in that for a show that has exactly one hard cam and nothing else <laughs> i think that was everything that we wanted to flash back to um what do you say it's time it's time <laughs> why don't you tell us about uh turok dinosaur hunter turok dinosaur hunter is a first person shooter adapted from the valiant comic book series of the same name beginning the game in a central hub level which contains portals to seven other levels you'll search for keys to unlock each portal Across the levels, you'll battle various enemies with an arsenal of weapons, such as the tech bow, the shotgun, and the particle accelerator. He may be called the Dinosaur Hunter, but Turok will face more than just velociraptors. Warriors, aliens, demons, large insects, and more will try to stop Turok as he runs, jumps, climbs, and swims through each level. 
He'll need to collect all eight pieces of the Chrono Scepter to stop the Campaigner, an evil overlord who seeks to destroy the fabric of time and rule the universe. Nice. I think that pretty much explains the storyline just like <laughs> as much as the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jay, I didn't know beforehand, like how, how uh, into Turok were you before doing this episode? Um, before so, I, I I think the the you were asking for people like, hey, who knows a thing or two about Turok? And my <laughs> response was, I think that game is incredibly interesting. <laughs> um, I did not play it back in the day. I played it when it was in my twenties, and I bought another N sixty four because I have little brothers. So some of the older game consoles that they appreciate, namely the N sixty four and the GameCube, I left with them. And I, over time, would rebuild on my own. Uh, and I bought it later in life. And I played it, and I thought, like, whoa, there's really not a lot else out there and from this time period that's trying to do what Turok is doing. Mm. And if I could put a thesis down, if you will, for just for Turok sure. in yeah. general on, on the 64 it is very interesting to see a lot of the things that the N64 gets dinged for show up so early in the form of Turok, but then it doesn't matter. Okay. Because Turok, Turok is a, a first-person shooter, a somewhat bloody M-rated game, which the N64 gets constantly railed as being the, the kid's console. Uh, sure. It's a very good first-person shooter, and... Like then you hit the big comma, but it doesn't matter because eventually Goldeneye comes out and no one cares about a single first-person <laughs> shooter on this system that isn't Goldeneye. Yeah, that's that is interesting. I think uh, yeah. it's definitely it's not even long before it's the same year. Yeah, and, it's yeah. it's because this game doesn't have multiplayer and they don't remedy that for another like four games until we get to Rage I think Wars. The second one, I think the second one has multiplayer. Hmm. I think I'm not familiar. I never got around to the, the. I know like Rage Wars is the specifically multiplayer for one. sure. Uh, Quaid, how how about you? I I think I got the sense that you were a big fan. Oh, I was huge when I I got it whenever I was a kid back. I think a little bit after GoldenEye. So I played it after GoldenEye, but as a f single player experience, it was amazing. Just like man, I could go hunt down some dinosaurs, but who are these guys? Like mm. stopping me doing this all the time. Um, I remember playing through it. Oh, you can jump and all this. The control scheme was different from Goldeneye. Like you actually move my seat, and it's actually kind of nice. I like it that way because you feel a little more controlled. Goldeneye. Back whenever I first played, I guess this is how. Since we have the camera on, this was how <laughs> I used to uh, do it. Instead of like this, I was a kid yeah. that did it like that. Oh, so well, that was a little rougher to play, but I, you know, still do it. Holding yeah. on to it for dear life with your little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I played it like that, but now obviously I play it like every normal person with three hands, you know. <laughs> but uh, as, as God intended, <laughs> as intended, yes. Some of us are blessed with Goro arms and have a fourth one that's just there, like doing whatever else. <laughs> but yeah, I remember doing all. I don't know how I figured out the cheats and stuff. Uh, besides that one little book I showed you guys. But I'd, after I play through the game, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to mess around and, oh, look at these weapons and get infinite and just kind of do yes. the, uh, the Chrono Scepter. That thing, 
I just like seeing the screen go white because you know you <laughs> like feels like you break the yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you feel like you broke the. You're like, I shouldn't be doing this, but it's fun to do on anything. Yeah, yeah, with the, yeah. the cheats and stuff, you you kind of mm -hmm. like made me think of my my childhood like experience with it was that it was I it was the game that I think uh my friend's older brother had so I never played this but it it was always like one of those ones where you're like oh man this is like it's like a Nintendo game but it there's like you kill people in it <laughs> and and uh it was just one of those ones that it's like you felt it felt like a real like just the cool game uh, that wasn't it almost felt like to me as a kid I especially associate because it, it was my friends who had like a PlayStation, but I was like, oh, that's like yeah. a PlayStation <laughs> Nintendo game where like gnarly things happen. Yeah, so... just just how the like just being M rated, you're not used to games like that on Nintendo, but there's been games like that on the Super back in the day too, like uh, Killer Instinct. Because I remember playing that when it first came out. I never played Gold surprisingly when it came out mm. in '64. Yeah, remember you should check it out. Yeah, I need to do that. I remember playing Wave Race and Mario 64 mainly, and then Star Fox and Mario Kart eventually. When uh, uh, the cheats you mentioned, though, like that was because mm -hmm. it was, I was just like playing it with my friend, and and like it's his older brother's game. And so, like, and we're just kind of like yeah. stupid little kids. So we weren't really like very good <laughs> at it. So we were just doing <laughs> the same thing of yeah. like, oh, putting in the cheats and then like, oh, and then you can like blow, <laughs> like blow this guy up or like. Now there was, there was, make a, him uh, in disintegrate. Yeah, there was a magazine series now that I think about I think it was called Tips and Tricks. I don't know if anybody else saw this magazine back when we were kids. Um Yeah. Yeah, I remember getting those a lot because those would always have a lot of the extra like cheats or oh tricks about a lot of the N sixty four games, other games than that. I think that's how I got the Turok ones even and a couple other games down the road. But that was that lasted uh maybe a couple of years. I honestly don't remember when it stopped, but Yeah, I can't remember when it stopped either. I think it was yeah. somewhere with the PS2 era where Tips and Tricks mm -hmm. ended, but uh Tips and Tricks was was a very them. fun uh <laughs> magazine for its time. Yeah. McKenna, how about how about you? This was I mean I know this was you you had never experienced this game before. Uh so I tried to play this with the regular controls and I was having such a hard time. Yeah. Just like trying to, I kept wanting to move with the joystick and not, you know, use that as the camera. And it is so we weird now. Out... Like if you're like, I feel like a lot of us, our brains now are hardwired, like the default dual yeah, stick just, controls. Just playing it that way. I felt like I had to like translate it, translate literally everything before I actually moved. And mm. it just made everything harder. Like I didn't have the reaction time and I kept dying. And we figured out that the left-handed controls let you move with the joystick. So yes, it's I, sort of forward thinking. I played controls. with the left-handed controls. I was trying yeah. to find the option yeah, it to felt... change those. I didn't know where that was at. Like change the layout. Yeah. You can't really remap the controls, but it makes it so you instead I believe mm -hmm. it makes it so the D pad moves yes. you. Uh, and then no. your then your right hand is on the analog stick. Which makes a yes. little bit more right. sense, right? You move with the you do move with the Oh, how does it <laughs> the joystick, yeah. You move, you move with, with, the, with joystick. the right hand. Yeah, with the left-handed, and then the the D-pad moves the camera. 
Oh, oh, I see. I oh, that's kind of odd. I guess Wait. it would still work because then you'd still <laughs> Am I have saying the, that right? You'd still have the Z no, I think. Am I mixing it up? No, I think you are because I think what they're thinking is the your left hand would move you. Oh, I think. yes, yes, yes. So, and I think what they're thinking is is with this analog stick, they're thinking like this controls the camera. It's really based around like yeah. that idea. So I think no matter which version you pick, the analog stick controls it. So I can see where like if you're hard, that is more closer to like a modern control scheme than even I think Goldeneye really approaches because you that's how you do it now in most games is you mm -hmm. with the left you are yeah. moving your your body yeah gold <laughs> goldeneye does have the same control scheme as Turok but only if you pick 1.2 1. 1.1 oh, okay. is, is the one where you control the camera and then you turn left and right with the analog stick and it's it's hard to keep track of all the the freaking <laughs> control schemes you can possibly have in in goldeneye but yeah 1.2 in goldeneye if i remember correctly is the control scheme that controls like how Turok does and how uh most games that are trying to emulate twin stick before twin sticks were invented play exactly mm -hmm. yeah because i can see like they're kind of because the controller it is it feels like you know the analog stick they really had in mind like like a game like mario 64 of like moving around in a 3d space so they're mm -hmm. they're trying to like do it for a, a game genre that i don't think like they were thinking about really when they tried to make the the N64. You you mentioned I liked your your thesis that you had on the games. I think those are all good like basically points to hit. You meant like you talked about how it's you know like it's a good first person shooter which you don't really think about um on the N64 and I think I think it's it's cool to think that it's like it is like the first first person shooter on Nintendo 64 and they did I think they did such a great job with it like right out the gate with like not much to really go off of. Yeah, there's one other thing I'd like to like tack on to that when I mentioned that it's, sure. it's a mature game cuz Quaid kind of brought it up um it's not the first M rated game on the Nintendo 64 cuz that would be Mortal Kombat trilogy. And I don't remember if, right. if Killer Instinct Gold was rated M. I thought those games were T. Probably. But I think I could I could be wrong. Um, but like you can kind of backport MK and KI to arcades or other things. Whereas for like sure. this is the first purely for Nintendo sixty four M rated game. And also it's nowhere near bloody enough. Because <laughs> Okay. Like <laughs> Like to encapsulate what people wanted in the 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 zeitgeist that was like the really edgy extreme nineties, shooting some people and dinosaurs and having blood effects happen is nowhere near what people were craving. Because you look at like sure. the PlayStation and you have like uh you have loaded, that's the first game that comes to mind, is like that that top down mm. twin sticks uh a shooter game that runs at like three fps on a good day if you're facing the sun and like that's that's like the like the the todd mcfarland <laughs> extreme edgy bloody like you know the game in japan is called blood factory like that kind of stuff <laughs> we just got it loaded I, I saw the 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 cover for blood factory and i was like oh man that's great why didn't we get that but like 
in comparison, Turok is a very tame, like mature. Like yes, it's bloody. Yeah. But it it doesn't have it doesn't have that that Mortal Kombat zeitgeist of edge and gore that people really kind of wanted. So it's 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 very interesting how it is all the things that people thought the N sixty four wasn't and couldn't be but at the same time could not hit the goalposts of what people were actually wanting i think that does come down to it being designed for the nintendo 64 <laughs> too it probably you know like as opposed to the other games where it's like they they port them over and they like try to censor them but you know a lot of that stuff's blood and guts is gonna still come through it might have been some of the theming that they had in the game that made it m-rated say like remember there were some enemies that were just hanging in a way or like Turok getting oh, eaten by yeah. the dinosaur or things like that that made it kind of push a little bit toward that may not necessarily have been the lack of you know blood or anything you can't do any like like the some of the guns like you know make cool explosions <laughs> or like the particle accelerator <laughs> blows people up in a fun way which is really <laughs> and just in general like you know the sh like the shooting i will say and like killing stuff is pretty satisfying but yeah it's not like you're not doing fatalities on it yeah or there, there's like a, there's a tameness to being out. like this is a you know native american man hunting dinosaurs and other humans that just that wasn't mm -hmm. that wasn't the bloodlust that people really wanted in the 90s <laughs> yeah this is probably just like right above the bar of the M-rated, as Mortal Kombat's, you know, kind of over here, bit of a distance with all their fatalities. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, doing all this has I've become very now fascinated with just the the rich history of Turok. Oh yeah, the lore of the series. Um, how how familiar, how into that uh, are you, uh, Jay, and then Quaid? Uh, not not at all. I know it. I know there is a '60s comic. Uh, yes. I, I, like a very like 60s I, I, I can't verbalize the style but I know how to like say hey it's a 60s serial you know the Indiana right, Jones yeah. that is not named comic for for young men and that is the extent I've never read any of them it wasn't until much later in life that I actually learned it was based on that it was an already established IP but you know that's the extent all I know it was a comic at one point yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of good videos out there. I, I can link to them that I, I've posted in our Discord too that gave a backstory on it, and it's it's pretty in, into it. Uh, Quaid, are you familiar with much of that at all? I, I really was not. Uh, I didn't even know there was a comic or anything for the longest yes, time until okay. you linked everything. <laughs> I did watch a, a gaming retrospective I linked in the podcast uh, channel in the Discord, mm. and the guy was giving us a little backstory of the game itself, like why some of the things you saw or like they were. Like, uh, say, the Long Hunter boss, oh. the very first boss you fight with the Humvees and everything. Once, the Humvees, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so once he goes all that, once you kill him, you notice that there's a shift in the game afterwards. There's less real amount of those enemies and more of those aliens, or they labeled them as demons, show up more often. Mm, there's some yeah. story progression. Yeah, yeah, there's like a story like progression that. in there, but because it's in 64, <laughs> you don't really see that because of the, hey, you know, the beginning... In 64 era, you don't get any of that context, but it was cool. Like, oh, so this is why it's doing this and why you see a lot of the humanoids hanging around when you get to the campaigner final boss. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. You even find out that... That, that was uh, very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head, but it's, it rocks like a title 
rather than the name of the actual yes. character you're playing. That was really interesting to find out. Yeah, so the the original comics that were being... Actually, Turok, so the person who created it, um, uh, the name I, I, the name escapes me. I feel kind of bad, but it was created actually... Um, it was supposed to be a spinoff of an even older comic. I think, I believe it was called Little Hawk. That was um, a comic about a Native American that would appear in the old um, Lone Ranger, like, comic collections. Like, you know, they'd have other comics in there. So it was, it was like, kind of alongside Lone Ranger. And for whatever reason, then they were going to spin it off, but it ended up being its own thing. And so it is this very, like, um, I haven't read any of those. I do see they sell them now in collections, but they're kind of, they're quite, they're a little pricey, but if someone wants to get me a good birthday or Christmas gift, um, (laughs) I would, I'm, I'm very fascinated by this, but yeah, it's just more, the, the older comics are a little bit, they're like tame comparatively because they are just about a guy who finds this land where, uh, like dinosaurs still exist and stuff like that and it's about him he he meets other like uh people there and it's it's really just that you know oh he's off on some epic adventures and there's dinosaurs you know there's not any of the sci-fi element really it's more of a fantasy and it's not like bloody or anything but then all the way in the 90s it it was the early 90s right mm-hmm. that um valiant valiant relaunched it and that's where you get into like it gets really edgy and uh you've got you know now uh aliens and all that sort of stuff yeah <laughs> and uh from there like acclaim acquired it mm-hmm. and was like all right we're going to relaunch the series we're going to make it like a game you know like we're going to make a franchise out of this the name of the the Turok in in the game is Tulset. Tulset, yeah, is the it's, character uh, in the game. So I guess the original was his name was Turok, in and the then original. that became a title, which means Son of Stone. Yeah, I think they were trying to like kind of imply that like there's sort of a continuity, but then as I I've as I've gone on, like watched other stuff, there, there's really not much of a continuity between stuff but you know yeah Turok becomes like a title as opposed Mm -hmm. to the name of the guy but then later stuff they they redo it and they reboot it so you know it's it's a little it doesn't need to have a continuity though that doesn't really (laughs) matter it's the history of it that's more fascinating yeah like it has almost different interpretations of like how the land exists like why why there are dinosaurs there who else is there in a more like modern run that I was reading. Um, it was actually just set in the real world, but dinosaurs never went extinct. And so dinosaurs are just still around and they had like crusaders coming over to North America to fight them. Mm. So it's just, it's just really fascinating. Like the different um, interpretations of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had found actually this really good uh, kind of uh, uh journal essay what would you call that yeah essay research paper a research paper um if you google just turok native american you'll (laughs) find one of the first results is this paper uh deconstructing turok the kiowa dinosaur hunter in comics and films by mark uh depaulo 
And it kind of gives, it actually is a very interesting read because it kind of talks about the different eras of Turok and like both the ways that it like um, is unique in the way it presents like Native American characters and then other ways that it fall, like they each fall into their own sort of like, um, I guess, stereotypes or archetypes. Wrappings. That they've been, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's really interesting like how this, because it's not like, I don't know, it's not like this often talked about character or series, but it has had like all these different types of spins and interpretations on it. Uh, as as for the game, uh, so we talked about we talked about the the controls, but I I also briefly wanted to shout out that we picked up end up picking up the Night Dive Studios remake of the game where they just have full dual stick and it's like basically one of the most satisfying games i've ever played yeah i'm like cru- cruising through that one again mm-hmm. and it's just like oh, i love it i have the, so the limited a limited run game version of that and Turok 2 i got the physicals for them oh Ooh, nice that's awesome uh and but in preparation for this i didn't get to act, you know peeking behind the curtain i didn't have the time to actually finish playing to rock i've i've played through it a number for of sure but this most recent time, I got like the first level in, and then I was like uh, busy, and also Final Fantasy IV for the series. <laughs> 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 yeah, spoiler alert, guys. Understandable. Spoiler alert. Final Fantasy IV is a really good game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing that I really wanted to go back and make sure I was playing the N64 version for um, this podcast was, if I remember correctly, that Night Dive version does expand the draw distance a little bit yes mm-hmm. whereas the n64 version maybe we'll talk about it more later but like oh, oh baby no we can talk about it let's <laughs> let's get into it okay um because it you know we can go back and forth between those but the fog yeah we're mm-hmm. talking about the fog, the fog yeah. of maybe the draw distance could be a little bit better but i'm slightly charmed by the fog mm-hmm. there's some <laughs> there's some atmosphere to the game uh, and I th- I think we've talked about this before with other games of just going from like playing we're playing on our N sixty four on a on like a CRT to then mm-hmm. just like seeing like the highest quality version of the original game that you can possibly see and like some of the charm not being there but but maybe it being like kind of charming in a different way but uh, there is something it does have a different vibe I think playing between the two games and I kind of like some of the original like foggy it's mysterious mysterious aesthetic though it, it is kind of it is kind of rough yeah mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because in my mind i always think of the n64 version as having like a hard drop in terms of draw distance because it's so short and just like you could see the line almost of where the draw distance stops but in reality the n64 version does do a pretty good job of fogging it to make it feel kind of mysterious and as you are in the the forgotten lands um regardless of how unbelievably close that draw distance may be <laughs> um and the only time where that draw distance like it, it's kind of it is i think charm was how you described it goo and i think there's there's that to it because really it's only so detrimental for the first five minutes and then you're like okay this actually isn't that bad this this doesn't affect gameplay in a significant way it just feels weird that i can't see that far in front of me 
and then you pick up an invincibility power up and the ecstasy kicks in and rhythm of the night starts playing in the background (laughs) (laughs) and that part that part's a little rough but uh other than that the the fog isn't bad it's just there's no way to not mention it because the draw distance is so low in that game and that's not a that's not a drug specific issue many n64 games have putrid draw distances but (laughs) Uh Turok at least has it in a way that feels a little bit more in line with the setting yeah i mean Mm -hmm. for most of the levels it's like uh you're in the jungle or or something Mm -hmm. or then i in um there's a good there's a good another good video um from uh digital foundry where they kind of go they touch on some of the differences in the versions are like there's also good like production history on it and they talk about how they figured out you could like change the color of the fog in the game so like when you're underwater and it's blue that's just the fog um when you're there there's like a fire level and they you go into some rooms and it's red fog like they mm-hmm. they they make use of the fog <laughs> as best as they can to um mm-hmm. shape the vibe of the game do you have f- fog troubles? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think the fog is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It definitely gives it a different vibe. Yeah, I f- I feel like when you're playing it, it's really where it starts to go to the back of your mind, and and it just becomes normal. But when I was looking at like footage of it, I'm like, oh, geez, that's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's like seeing in the dark when someone turns off the lights you can't see anything and then after like two minutes your eyes acclimate that's <laughs> playing to that's that's kind uh, of the controls that, too yeah. actually yeah it, it really mm-hmm. is uh, and i don't mean that to be jokingly negative because once again like once once you get past that five minute mark of like what is this draw distance you'll never think about it again mm-hmm. like it just it just works very well within the game They've they did a great job working around having such a small draw distance and covering it with fog in a way that works properly for the game as they present it. They they do a good job in the remake too of like expanding that. I know they had mm-hmm. they had uh, technical limitations to do that and still have it work the same way while maintaining like the original you know sort of uh, gameplay of the game. Though I, I had I did notice like guys can see you from a lot farther, it seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm, they can. <laughs> so there's I know you're there. Yeah, kind of it's downturn. But they get the jump on you and you can't do a thing about it till you see them. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a big thing that is in that I noticed in both this and Shadows of the Empire is sometimes you just come around a corner and there's just a guy like he's gonna mm-hmm. shoot you. You're not. You can't not mm-hmm. avoid it. Oh, well, you probably can. Well, but. there's some like moment. I was playing some today, and I was like climbing up ladders, and just like the second I got up, there was a guy <laughs> right there. He shot me, and you can't even get your okay. like gun out quick enough <laughs> to shoot him. Yeah, something we haven't touched on so much is the platforming. Just like jumping. Yeah. Around it. It's. It feels yeah. really hard with the first person perspective in in the Nintendo sixty four version. Specifically in that, I feel like, like. Yeah, just I guess the first section that we got to where we were platforming. Oh my gosh. It took us so long to get through it. And then we played it on the Switch and it was just, it just feels like it's like, oh, that was a breeze. I know by. how to do this. <laughs> the big the Yeah. Sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> 
Oh, the really, you know, I I think we've mentioned, you know, what makes Turok different and interesting. Previous, we never really laid it out, and it's it is a like mid '90s FPS that is very much a platformer mm-hmm. in first person, mm-hmm. and no one was doing that. It's pretty Nintendo-y. Like, in a way. It's, it's very mm-hmm. Nintendo-y in, like, in design ethos, and it's not like we get anything that is a exploratory or like adventure-style first-person shooter until 1998 when Half-Life drops. I think that's when Half-Life drops. Mm. Um, I think like the actual developers were saying like we want it to be a first-person shooter, and it was also influenced by Tomb Raider. Okay. Which like that yeah. comes through big time. So they took like the platforming of Tomb Raider and they put it into a first person shooter. A super dangerous idea, like crazy <laughs> dangerous idea. Mm-hmm. Um I think they pulled it off, but there's some points in that game where the efficacy of how well they pulled it off <laughs> is sure up for debate. Okay. But I think those are also the those are also the points with like that stick out the most to me. Because I think it's like the end of level three. There is a long sequence oh, no. of. I know exactly. What it's, it's just a tiny little yeah. squares. Yeah, it's that's the end of level three, and it's diabolical. <laughs> and it, you have to actually go a little further because it's like you have to do a bunch of little square jumps. If you miss, it's an instant death pit. Mm. Um, and to do that, you, you have to do that to get to the end of the level. And you actually have to do that a little bit more than to the end of the level if you want to get the Chrono Scepter piece. Yes. <laughs> and that is just burn. And, like, that's maybe not a good part of the game, but that's one of the parts of the game that is most burned into my <laughs> mind because I'm playing it and I'm like, who was fucking thinking they were going to make a first-person platformer on the N64 in 1990, like, mid-1990s. That's crazy. No one was doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quaid, what was your... Do you have a similar feeling about the platforming? You, I always took my sweet time when I had to platform jump, because <laughs> yeah. I always would look, look down and make sure I'm, like, right at the edge yeah. before I do my run jump. <laughs> it felt a lot easier to do on the remaster. Yes. But you really had to earn those chronoceptor pieces. You did. Yeah, they made you fight for it. But whenever you got to use it, man, you felt like you earned it. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, unless you did the cheat, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I... Yeah, true, the cheat. We We realized that you could, like fall slightly before jumping like, so we yes just, like you just can run dip down and, just, and just then, wait like, for jump. it to feel it dips just slightly so we get that, can, that extra distance. country yes yeah, <laughs> uh, like a roll jump yeah, oh, yeah. for me yeah the jumping was it was specifically then 64 version and the way the way i ended up solving it slightly was i would turn on the map mode where you get the map overlay mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm, i'm not playing mm-hmm. i'm playing top down like like the game is now, I am the triangle and I'm jumping to the squares, and that made it mm-hmm. a lot easier, though still kind of tough. You did solve it another way a few times. Oh, fly! <laughs> oh, and then the code fly mode code. There's a couple. So, well, I want to talk about the cheat codes in a second, mm-hmm. but the other the other thing about jumping that they suggest is they're like, look down when you jump, yeah. but the hard thing about it is. The camera control in this it always resets. Like you, you have to be holding it down to stay looking mm-hmm. down, and that's really just 
you know, I, I guess they, they weren't thinking of that at the time, but now being able Mm -hmm. to just like, like be able to easily look down (laughs) makes, I'm normally not a fan of like platforming in first person, like particularly in like shooters and stuff, but, uh, I actually like now playing it on switch. It's like, Mm -hmm. I love, I love it. I don't even mind the like crappy, like the ones that are like you described that are like almost like ridiculous. Yeah. Like I, I kind of find those fun, like on switch specifically, uh, even though I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why, <laughs> why am I doing this? I have fallen down at the uh, water obelisk a million times. I have to get all the <laughs> way back to the top. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can do it on the N64 controls, uh, but I'm, I'm, I have, I have the freak gene that allows me to play the most cursed, uh, control schemes <laughs> I man. That. Uh, but I I think you brought up something that's like really salient about Turok, which is like, man, this is weird and this might not be good, but there's something enjoyable about it. Yeah. When it comes mm-hmm. to his platforming, like this this idea of the first person adventure platformer, because it's not just a first person shooter, like it's a first person adventure yes. platformer. It, it it really divides the line between. I'm going to shoot things and hunt for secrets like it's Doom, and I'm going to platform like I'm a game that's on the Nintendo. And for some reason, like it does do that platforming effectively. <laughs> like I don't know if I want to say good, but there's something about it where it's like, yeah, this is like this is working. I'm doing it. Sometimes it's way harder and kind of unfair than it like should be, yeah. but like it it pulls it off that's i guess the best way of put saying it's like this is a really really strange concept to try and do with this control scheme with this system on a console not on a pc and it pulls it off there's just like very specific little things in the game design or the control like just like the way you shoot a gun or like just some of the like just in the feel of when you jump where like there's there's something I'm kind of just saying what you said, but there's like a wonky aspect to it. But then the way they do certain specific little things feel so satisfying that it's like it just keeps me kind of hooked and want to keep playing even in the frustrating parts. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I messed that up, but I kind of do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's also I think maybe the way you could parrot is that the game does a very good job of making sure that your frustration with the platforming is well rewarded at the end of it yes yeah like that... thinking thinking back to mm-hmm. the the end of the level three example like doing those little square platforming bits is 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 a fucking nightmare but when you know that you've made it to the exit and you know that you know how to do it then you also know that you could continue doing it because you know something is going to be there yeah uh and that's that's like a very nice part of still being in having one foot in like the early to mid 1990s first person shooter design philosophy where like if you are going to push up against the corners and the seams and the edges of this game, you're going to do so under the idea that you might find something like the shooters of that era, starting from like Wolfenstein 3d to doom Mm -hmm. to so on and so forth. Those are games that want you to really like body hump walls and press buttons (laughs) because there could be things behind that. And Turok still holds to that design philosophy. It just does so with platforming instead of like 
looking directly at an N64 blown out texture and pressing A as you hold strafe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think you've described why, like, so, like, the we, we got through it on N64 and, and it was tough, and now I'm, like, halfway through a replay, and I think I'm going to probably do everything in the game. Like, there's not much they added, like, achievements and stuff like that, but I feel like I don't do this with a lot of games, but this is one where I'm, like, I want to check off everything because, I don't know, it just, like, there's something compelling about it that I got to keep going mm -hmm. back to it. I've been playing a little bit every day. <laughs> It's a good game. Like, mm -hmm. like maybe we haven't like come out and said this, but like I think Turok One is a it's... a very good game. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it holds that type of reputation culturally, but like this is a pretty damn good game, and I just don't think people were ready for that on the N sixty four. Sure. Yeah. Um. In terms of, I, you mentioned the levels. I want to talk about, and like the exploration. I love too how the levels are laid out. Like how you have to get keys in the, there's something mm -hmm. almost, it's not quite like a Metroidvania or, or, you know, that sort of thing. But like you, it does have that sort of same element of like, oh, I missed something. Like, mm -hmm. or, or a Zelda dungeon where you're like, oh, like I missed something. Now I have to like kind of backtrack and like, find what I missed and I really like that element of like how they and there's almost sort of a non-linear element to it too like in the first level you can get all the keys for level two and level three and I, lo I love that where you're allowed to kind of more openly explore even though it is just a series of levels even mm -hmm. in some of the later ones they kind of create them where you loop around to the same area and so even that level itself has a hub where you explore off of. And so I thought that was kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say forward thinking. I think that was just like really solid level design for the time. Yeah. I think it justifies the fact that the game is built off of a hub system because it, the, the example you brought up is like really, really strong. When you finish level one and you get all three or four, however many, maybe there's five. I can't remember. Uh, objective level yeah. keys. Like a, those are not necessary to beat level one. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Big time. Like, you can beat level one and then be like, okay, what do we do now? And the game's just like, hey, you actually didn't get the keys in the <laughs> level one to unlock two and three. And, like, that's what justifies the hub system to the game is because every level isn't just a go from point A to point B. You do that, but during that time, you do have to find the unlock objectives for the other levels and not all of them are in one place yeah absolutely and, and like some they're like off the path and mm -hmm. yeah there's one level where you start it and it's what's it like level four it's like level four and like you can get a level eight key in it and you have to like immediately go behind the portal mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, explore uh, around to get the level uh, no, I, remember, yeah, I think I remember that one. And 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 you do it and and it brings you back to the beginning and it's like now it's like the third key on the on the list cuz I you know presumably I think what they're thinking is you go and play the level and then be like oh I missed one because you don't normally think oh I should look behind the start of the level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the level the level just the way that's all laid out is cool. 
Um, I did want to talk about the cheats. Uh, the cheat system I think is really cool. Uh, I, I guess what's everyone's favorite cheat code in the game before we <laughs> go further? What was yours? I'll I'll just go up front and say I did, I never engaged with the cheats, so oh, so whoa. I'll omit myself. You're not a cheater. Yeah. No, no, I'm not cheating. I I spent too much time playing Capcom arcade games, and so the the the, the United States told me that you know winners don't do drugs, and I just, just moved that on to cheating as well. Okay, okay. Well, I, I'll I think I have I have some like good. I think good. I think I have good points about what makes the cheats in this so special, but. Before there's just some fun ones. What are, yeah, what are some of your the favorites? the disco one is disco awesome. mode is sick. It's just like all the en- enemies dance and you got the colors right. Pretty colors. colors. No, like in the disco. Oh, in the disco mode. Yeah, there's, there's multiple like a, colorful modes. Yeah, it sorry. Like, <laughs> it like cycle right. It cycles through colors. Yeah. It kind of looks like it does. It looks like it does in the uh, like invincibility. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, thing. but then when you get that, yeah, and then but yeah, everybody, everybody dances. They don't attack you. That's pretty. That's like an easy mode in a yeah. way. Yeah, you can we play the whole wa- game like I, that. There's the video we were watching where somebody. Oh, the mod. Built, yeah, uh, like a, a party island. Uh, Club Turok. Club, I think Club it was. Turok, where they're just all on disco mode and there's just dinosaurs, dancing around. It's really. That was funny. also pretty cool. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That was trippy. I did get to watch yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fun, like, just, like, oh, like aesthetic. I want to hang out at Club Turok. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, yeah, all the bosses going ham. There's a lot of good, just, like, aesthetic codes. There's the the wireframe mode was pretty sweet. Um, what was it? Oh, there's, like, big head. Big you gotta head, have big head, yeah. you and know. What is it? Is it the tiny body? Is that what it was called? Tiny body. Yeah, you can do tiny body yeah. and big head. That's pretty sick. <laughs> Uh, quite tiny enemies with giant heads, right? Yeah. I always like the big heads myself, just because of the uh, like DK mode from GoldenEye. Always... Yeah, DK mode, baby. Yeah, always liked using that every time I play GoldenEye. DK mode is classic. For me, the cheats—they actually. So, yeah, I I don't feel ashamed in saying this, but in playing it, we beat on the N64. I used some cheats. Mm-hmm. I used it where reasonable. For example, like in that section where the platforming is really annoying, I'm like, I refuse to let this game take a life from me every time I I fall. So I just turned on infinite lives. I was like, you know what? Screw this. This is not. And so what I just found interesting about the cheats, you have that you have like eventually towards the end, too. I think we did all weapons just to just to start using them. (laughs) I wanted to use Mm -hmm. them more. Uh, we we did those, and I felt like it's kind of cool because it's almost like it's like an early version of just like being able to like obviously there's the difficulty level, but then it's just like mm-hmm. extra like accessibility <laughs> features. You know what I mean? Where I was like, yeah, yeah. or like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to backtrack after like fail th- falling from that jump. I'm just gonna turn on no clip mode <laughs> and just put myself back to where I fell off. Um, so I that that for me actually made getting into the game uh a little bit a little bit easier and so and now now i'm playing i just started up on the switch version and i'm playing it i didn't even realize like a higher difficulty 
and I'm, you know, I'm already doing way better just mm-hmm. due to the controls. So I felt like that was like, I had easy mode and then that like made it even for me, like even easier to engage with certain parts of the game that were kind of like frustrating or bothered me. And so I, I don't know. I actually kind of like that they're in there and that they're like, this, this was a memorable game for me as a kid because it was one of the few games that a uh, friend or that I had played that had like from the start, like cheat menu like they they basically like and they award you actually in the game for doing certain things they unlock certain cheats so i just found that like really i don't know like fascinating as a kid that it almost encouraged you to use them i think they wanted a lot of people to finish the game and get experience like no matter Mm -hmm. if you weren't very good at it because there was like a curve to it like you said especially the platforming I think it's nice that even having Infinity Life so you can actually see the end of the game was nice. Even just teleporting to the bosses just to experience the bosses was always fun too. That what I think the biggest repeat sorry, the biggest repeat was always going back to the T Rex boss. I think that was like the best fight in the game in my opinion. Yeah. Fighting the cyber T Rex and if you did die he'd eat you, but then you get a cool little death scene. <laughs> the enemies themselves have their own little like fatalities, which is kinda cool, but they're not they're they're yeah. still not as gnarly, I guess, as as we're describing. But it is pretty cool that you can get murdered in a unique way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was I was interested, like, man, you fight some what was it like at least three There's a guy with some uh, hummers. The guy with the hummers, I don't <laughs> remember if he had a unique one unless it should get run I, I over think there is I think it did. yeah there was because I, I definitely died well, to him well i was playing through it again i just remember the car would not stop running into me the first car that you fight uh-huh. he just for some reason automatically was directly going at me no matter where i was but then the second one was like i guess not as smart I, I didn't have an issue with them hitting me too bad actually I, my main <laughs> issue in that was just it took so much ammunition to kill them yeah, yeah. Was oh, that's... That's, uh, the unique death in that boss fight is me chucking my n64 <laughs> through the window when i blow through all of my ammo i just and, had the most <laughs> slung up against the wall every time just getting hit by the car the, uh. the bosses the bosses are pretty there's only four i think mm-hmm. and two of them are on the same yeah. level but they're pretty they're pretty unique for what they like for being only four of them i get like mm-hmm. that was pretty cool the t-rex is the the standout boss i think over mm-hmm. even the campaigner himself yeah Definitely. he he really just would jump in your face all the time he keep knocking but i don't think he took damage from him if he did that but i noticed the lower health he got he'd start limping a little bit so you know you were actually hurting him and he that's he'd pretty more cool. robotic yeah, I mean, it was just something you kind of noticed, but he jumped more, but if you ever walked, you just seemed kind of like trying to get to you, uh, still wanting to fight and finish the job. Were you, were you taken in by the the story and, like, the need to defeat the campaigner? <laughs> if I knew the story, That's, that would have been a... That been there's a, a paragraph <laughs> in the manual, uh, which also has yeah. a... Com- there's a comic in the manual, too, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um but there, that's actually something I love about the game, too, is, like, you just turn it on and the game just starts. And I think I've grown to, like, games like that more and more as I go get older of just, like, okay, yeah, whatever. I Like, perfect. There's there's aliens. There's dinosaurs. I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to jump on platforms. Whatever, you know? 
I don't need. <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. read if yeah. I'm into it. I'll read later about all the comics and like what the guy is doing. But just let me start for like the past like ten, maybe fifteen years. At this point, my buddy Vince has had has been on this vendetta of like, okay, when do I play the game? <laughs> yeah, and like, That's true. time to game. <laughs> like he has like a he has like a incredibly low tolerance from like boot up to i want to i want to play <laughs> the fucking game yeah. mm-hmm. uh, i want to be in it it's like i want to be so like you you play turok and you press new game congratulations dude you're playing the game mm-hmm. start start platforming if you want to take a siesta over at the tutorial section and learn how the controls work you can but you're booting up that game and you're starting yeah get to get the step in the, the first secrets on the left you have to start swimming yeah you take like three steps and a guy is trying to kill you yeah. stab yeah. him <laughs> tutorial mode was fun though too actually i kind of i kind of appreciated mm-hmm. that was kind of forward thinking of them a little bit yeah well, i felt like they they knew they had to with the two just a brief yeah. tutorial to be like hey here's we're gonna expect you to platform in first person <laughs> on this controller so <laughs> we need to maybe we need to maybe lay some groundwork you know i, I will appreciate some of those uh, bonus levels that they teleport you back to the start even though some were longer, but like you wouldn't waste a life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That the, yes. I appreciate because those it, I find very fun. also helps you learn. Yeah, those were really fun to do just because you knew you were gonna die. You just okay. The blue electric storm. I love that. Yeah, levels. yeah. That cool. was the most uh, was Mario just... feeling to me. Or I was just like, oh, I'm just like in this side off like platforming challenge. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. They do feel very Mario esque <laughs> in their platforming challenges. I was, um, and, and that's not a, and that's not a bad thing. No, like, yeah. it works well with the game. I was expecting to hear, I mean... you know, do 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 We talked. We we actually really didn't even. We did talk about like it as a first person shooter, but we like just talking about it in ter- context of the time. Like that wasn't even that wasn't like a big thing on on consoles really yet in itself. And like this is kind of we're still kind of in the. You know, the 90s are the years where, like, with Doom and stuff that it's coming up. And uh, I think for us, like, well, for you, like, you, you haven't played, you're like, that's not really your style of game as much, too. Yeah, I'm not super into the, the first person. <laughs> uh, I tend to avoid first person because I'm really bad at it. Uh, but I felt like, at least with the Switch version, I was getting pretty okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I guess that was one thing uh, I wanted to mention is that I'm I'm reading the Nintendo Powers and it's talking about like climbing being this uh, like like, revolutionary thing. (laughs) That's not even something I considered because I'm so used to seeing like a vine covered wall and being like, oh, I can climb that, which is Mm -hmm. like that's that's kind of a new thing with uh, 3D navigation, just walking up to a wall and going up. I wonder and they they exaggerate the animation of climbing like a lot which which yeah. is like a, a good thing like when you're climbing there's like a huge camera sway mm-hmm. to evoke the fact that you're like left side body goes up right side mm-hmm. body goes up like it actually like they put some effort into it to well, like make sure it's so exaggerated that you felt like you're climbing something well, it did give you some immersion of like legit climbing that was one <laughs> yeah. positive with climbing mm-hmm. besides being grunt noises the grunts yeah. were good yeah the the <laughs> yeah. voice acting is uh 
is pretty good, uh, even though, like I said, uh, there's a one standout <laughs> line. There's some good yeah. all one line, baby, all one line that carried the Spoilers. game though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what was the other guy? The hunter just goes, "Hey, hey, yeah," <laughs> and then uh, like, and then the campaigner with whatever he said. Doesn't he like laughs and yeah, yeah, he laughs. If you die to him, he'll. I think he says, "The earth is mine." Oh, very hey. like man- maniacal. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just thinking with voice stuff. I was just thinking of the soundtrack. And That's what I just the, was thinking uh, of. I was like, we got to talk about There's like dinosaur noises that are in the soundtrack. And, and when like we first started tiger playing, noise. <laughs> every time I heard like an animal or dinosaur noise, I was like, where? Where is it? It and does give it, it this feeling it, of like, like. It took me a minute to realize like that's part of the soundtrack. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. sick that they did that. Yeah. Makes you it's, feel like you're actually in that jungle. Yeah. It, it's very funny because like the, the tiger noise, I'm like. That's the audio sound bank sample CD that Hanna Barbera <laughs> was running through <laughs> Quest. Like I know that. I, lo- I like, love anywhere. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they did. They, they did put like a lot of additional touches into the ambient track mm-hmm. for making it feel like, hey, you're in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Heads up. The vibe. Yeah, we've already kind of touched on the vibe, but I I think overall they do a good job. Like it's a, such a night. Nine- like it feels actually like. This would fit alongside like, uh, like the Mortal Kombat world, like just in that sense of like the '90s of like throwing it all in the stew of like everything badass you can think of, like cyborgs, dinosaurs, you know, shotguns. I don't, I don't know. You know? It, it, it's very, it's very ninjas, pirates, samurai, aliens. Yeah. Like, but yeah. I, I love it, especially with the later, especially with the later levels. Whenever the tone changes, yes. And that music starts ramping up, well, man. That that's what gets you pumped. <laughs> that's the soundtrack is sick because every track, it's like, it's like the the composer who I think did an excellent job was like, okay, I, they must have told him like, okay, the vibes on this level are like banging drum beats and dark synth, and that's like every <laughs> level is is like a different like, dum 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 dum, like the, and then as you get in later, they're like, let's add like some tech noises yeah. but it's still still like you know like bum 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 <laughs> keeps that same vibe the whole time and it it it's also one that just keeps me like propelled through the game where i'm just yeah. like yes <laughs> yeah it makes it nice because you can get those alien enemies you're just like yeah the music is just matching with it it vibes perfectly perfectly with the whole experience yeah, and when you get those alien weapons too, you're like, oh, this isn't just about dinosaurs. Now we're getting yes. some aliens up in this. Yeah, it was cool enough when you're like, okay, I got a knife. Oh, I got a bow and I can explode. And then you're like, I got a gun. And now, yeah. Oh, tech. The tech arrows. The tech yeah, arrows like, are awesome. Just, arrows. Yeah, oh, tech arrows are cool. Those are great whenever you get those, especially I, I like do... you fight the apes. Yeah, I do like that they give you a crossbow, and you're like, man, what the hell is this? And then they give you tech arrows, and you're like, that's what I'm saying! Yeah, yeah, the progression of, like, the weapons and stuff, and how you can find some in different levels early from exploration, that's really cool. Um, Yeah, we haven't really talked about, like, the the actual shooting of the first-person shooter. Uh Because it, it, it it is kind of, like, the least interesting like the least boundary pushing part of the game but uh it it is a perfectly serviceable first person shooter 
You have a variety of guns that are of no real surprise, with the exception being kind of the crossbow. Mm-hmm. And then everything has, not everything, but uh, most guns will have a secondary type of ammo that you can pick up that is much lower in quality, and you have to blow through that before you get back to your original stash. So there's kind of an interesting, like, ah, shit, I picked up the explosive rounds for the shotgun. I want to save this, so I'm going to use my other weapons until I actually find a use for the shotgun explosive shells. Because if I want to use the shotgun normally, I got to blow through these first. Yeah, the ammo like management was like a really fun aspect of the game, actually. Where mm-hmm. and like not just that, that different like some guns shared the same type of ammo. So mm-hmm. I don't. I kind of found that fun, like where um, it's like, do I want to shoot? you know like with the uh the rifle like shoot a bunch or do i want the you know the handgun in this situation like and i like there was like different it did a good job of like at least convincing me that different situations would call for different types of weapons and different enemies you know i'm like oh this enemy i kill yeah. with this yeah mm-hmm. had a nice push and pull to that yeah the uh like I said, I was looking at the Nintendo Power, and it actually gives you like suggested attacks for like each enemy in the game. Oh, okay. Um, That's but pretty yeah, sick. just like I had this whole spread. There's there's another thing I was thinking of, which is like not specific to Turok, but looking at a lot of these Nintendo Powers, there's like pretty much full walkthroughs in them. Yes. And sometimes they're coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the full walkthroughs, but sometimes they'll. Uh, there's a lot of content in these before the game is coming out. And that like, just now we're in this era where a lot of people will refuse to watch trailers of a game because they yes. don't want to see mm-hmm. that much of the game. They're just, they just want to go in with no knowledge, but, but then where they were just putting out all these details, of the games. Yeah. Like early, in, uh, I, I don't have them anymore, but I used to have a, a fat stack of Nintendo powers and it's really interesting the amount of walkthrough potential that could be found in them because not every game would get a full walkthrough sometimes they'd get you to like the the halfway mark mm-hmm. but like if it was a shorter game yeah they just straight up give you the whole walkthrough in the nintendo power and in the 90s that was fascinating like you could just learn so much about a game just by reading nintendo power and it makes me think too of like i understand people who have sort of this idea of like, I want to beat this without using a walkthrough, like for the first time to like experience it. But sometimes I think people almost do that to the detriment of their experience. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, as, as, as someone who suffers from that, you are correct. <laughs> Cause for me, I think back to, I, uh, I, I always think of this uh, cause I'm a big legend of Zelda fan, but I know people try to do that sometime with the first game. And I actually think it's a game you could beat with like without that but the the instruction booklet for like that game itself gives you a walkthrough for like the first two dungeons like Mm -hmm. you're supposed to read that too you know so like i think and i compare turok to that too because that is a game where i first beat it using a walkthrough and then like every time i played it i i've like incorporated a different part of like reading the booklet or like some type of strategy from someone and every time I pl- now I play that game just like casually I can just turn it on and like it's relaxing to play whereas like the first time I played it I was like 
like oh fuck like this is so hard and i'm (laughs) you know and i that's how i see like turok like the first time i played it using the codes and everything it was like to kind of get the experience of the game and now i'm playing it again like and i'm just trying to do it myself Mm -hmm. and it's like i feel like i've taken the next level up you know what i mean like i don't know how far i'll get where i'm like you know i'm probably never gonna be like speed running this game but i i view like that's why i like these games that are like very replayable you know they're different i think people are taking looking at some of these games from that perspective i mean it is fine to play without a walkthrough but I feel like it is a more modern sensibility where like now mo- like games are so big and they're supposed to meant to be like this long experience that you don't really do over and over where Turok, I think right from the get go encourages you like you're going to be playing like coming back to it, replaying levels and playing it on different difficulties. I mean, we've covered a lot of games. Turok isn't like this, but we've covered a lot of games where you beat it and they're like, okay, now beat it again to get the actual ending on a harder difficulty, you know? So I, I think I'm more just aligned with, like, that era of, like, of just, like, okay, you just, you get better slowly. Like, you play the game again, you get a little bit better at it. I don't know. <laughs> Before we wrap it up, we have some late breaking news about on Turok that I discovered. Well, I didn't really discover. People just started, like, sending me this my way today while I was at work. But um our buddy uh Ryan from uh Standard Definition Gaming shared on Blue Sky <laughs> uh an IGN uh forum post where they were talking about the early days of uh IGN.com and how it used to have different sites. There was N64.com that IGN mm-hmm. had and they said this person on the forum said they had a memory of them talking about Weezer being spotted playing Turok on their tour bus <laughs> during the Pinkerton tour. Oh my God. So then now we're flashing back again, but Weezer was spotted. So I tried to look into this. Uh, I was like, what, what, what is this true? And all I could really, f- I couldn't find the IGN covering this, but I did find a post from uh, uh, Weezerpedia. <laughs> And they chronicled um, all of the Weez zine from the 90s, which is the Weezer zine. And... Can I stop you right there? I want to vomit at the name we- of that. Weez zine? <laughs> it's my favorite Pokemon. Uh, and in it, they're describing what the individual band members of Weezer have been doing since their time off of tour from Pinkerton. And they say, Pat... <laughs> Pat has been savoring the Portland flavor, living happily in his tree-filled neighborhood, driving his Chevelle, playing Turok, and plotting the special goodness's future. So Pat from Weezer was playing Turok in in 97. And then if we want to take it a step farther, um, someone else had pointed out, actually it was the, uh, the band Bathroom of the Future, uh, pointed out... That um, James Eha from the the Smashing Pumpkins, who performed at the Grammys actually in 1997, in his uh his solo album in the liner notes, he and I I ended up looking this up or someone sent it to me. There's some art where someone wrote him a note and it's one of the cheats for Turok and they're like, hey, try try this cheat it'll help you out and he put it. In in the like liner notes album art, 
for his solo album. Um, wow. <laughs> and so I looked it up and I found this, uh, I found this interview, AOL chat they did with him in, I believe, 97. And they, Ouch. they asked him a question. I saw <laughs> AOL <laughs> chat. Yeah. They said, uh, do you have any side projects besides the pumpkins and your solo? Have you finished it? Have you is one word. Have you finished all the levels in Turok? Please say hi to bug for me. And he said, I'm a busy man these days. Not too many other side projects except sleeping and doing many interviews. And I have yet to conquer all of Turok. Hopefully someone can help me out there. <laughs> so James, if you're, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if he ever beat it, but, um, I don't know. What, why do you think Turok captured the, uh, alternative rock scene so hard in 1997? <laughs> Because what the hell else were you playing on the N64? <laughs> we still have a lot of N64 trashing to do before we get to the golden day, the golden days. Yes, we we briefly touched on it, but this was like like you said, this is a a kind of a gap from the last game, and like this is still in. Yeah, you were saying you were saying with the, the flashback of the pop culture. What was it? You started at like February, and now it's a month. It's, yeah, or yeah, it's a full month where it's like okay, what do we have. We did one episode. Turok! <laughs> yes, and I think that was something in the Digital Foundry video. They pointed out that a lot of these early N64 games got a lot of focus. Probably why they could get a full walkthrough in Nintendo Power, because there just there wasn't really a ton of games. So, N64 has no games. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't, how do I? How do I? How do I? How do I? How do, in an audio format? How do I spoiler tag me saying? N64 has no games <laughs> so that you you cover over it and you see that I've misspelled games. Well, what's what's nice for us is that we're we're just jumping, you know, we'll be jumping right to you know the next games and so we won't we won't feel that drought as much cuz mm -hmm. we're on a schedule here. Yeah. <laughs> and we've already we won't feel, we've um we won't feel that drought cuz we're in our 30s. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's true we also have lives uh that and like jobs <laughs> uh, unfortunately this isn't you know our our job if our job was to play n64 that'd be pretty sick though yeah <laughs> um any final any final thoughts that anyone wants to add for turok before we go uh yeah i just i want to restate the thesis i put at the very beginning uh, this is a very good very interesting game that did a lot of cool things it didn't push the boundaries enough for people to remember it f regarding the bloody 90s like extreme grimdark zeitgeist and it also is just going to get its lunch stolen and eaten <laughs> by goldeneye yeah. because it didn't have multiplayer which uh it's it's a very good game just on the it's not fully fleshed out in the ways it needed to mm -hmm. be which is multiplayer uh, because even if it was on PC, because I was about to say this would be a better game on PC, but actually that's not the case. Because they did do like, a PC release actually, mm -hmm. and it and yeah. apparently it didn't go run as well, and it didn't have the underwater music. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> so. even even if you were like thinking of like like Quake, mm -hmm. it's a first person single player game, yes, but we, we remember that for Deathmatch. It, even like Half-Life 1, Half-Life 1 has Half-Life Deathmatch. Turok doesn't have a deathmatch mode. Yeah. And it kind of it it kind of puts its own foot in the grave that way 
despite the fact that it is a very good single player uh first person shooter and it's not like a short one no definitely like not. This game has a lot of levels. They're not boring. Like the they're paced very well. It's a game that's going to take you some time to beat it and it's not going to waste your time, which ironically makes it a kind of better game to play nowadays because there's no way to like get rid of the elephant in the room. This shit just gets blown out of the water by Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah. and Goldeneye shows up. Um and I Goo, you said I think Goo, you mentioned that you like this as a single player game more than goldeneye no uh, I, I saw I, someone say that i think i liked someone okay. saying it because I, I i just liked it because i like a hot take sometimes <laughs> i yeah. don't fully agree with that but when with what you're... I, I can understand it. i can absolutely understand it because th this is a articulation of first person single player that i do think is very 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 good um i think the way goldeneye does it is better yeah. but that's just because i think the way goldeneye does it is is phenomenal it's like it's comparing an a minus to an a plus turok is still really really good and if you are out there and you've never really caught on to what turok one is doing and you've never really had an idea of why anyone would play this game because goldeneye is sitting in the same room as it now's a good time to play it yes you know you're not stuck in 1997 anymore it's actually a really really good play nowadays as long as you can handle the idea of platforming first person but that's also kind of why the game's like super cool i will say too like the the remake that that night dive did is so good like they did such a good job with it Yes, um, yes. It is also, yeah, that's a good point. It is available modernly. So, like, if you're... Like, it is worth playing modernly. Yeah, it's worth yes. playing in a modern setting with the modern remake. I, if you don't have a Switch, you can get it on PC Steam. And they too. just they just announced that they're going to be remaking Turok 3, too. Because they already have... Night Dive already has uh, Turok 1 and 2 remakes done, and they just announced maybe, like, three weeks ago that they're going to be remaking uh Turok 3 yeah we need to do a whole like kind of episode touching on them because their story is very interesting and that I only really just kind of got like got into because I was not like paying attention to like well I, I was hearing about the quake stuff when that they did that and that came out and so now I'm, I'm starting to like you know discover like that studio and their story is interesting and I think they're doing like they're doing us all a favor in terms of like gaming oh, yeah. preservation. They're it's very mm -hmm. awesome. And so yeah, this is the first game we've covered that I've been like 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 please like if you haven't played it, you really should play it. You really should try it. Because you know, like like Mario, I don't gotta it's tell you first, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first game so far in the N64's lineup that could be considered a hidden gem. Because mm -hmm. up till now it's either like it's the big hitters or it's the sports games yeah. that you know are there <laughs> you know they're like, there this is the first this is the first game that actually has worth and gets overshadowed by something <laughs> so you might not know about it as well as you should uh definitely agree uh quade do you have any final thoughts on turok before we get out of here yeah um i definitely wanted to since we didn't really talk about it but i do have a game shark and got oh, to experience right. the cheats yeah, i i bought um, one actually so over and, um, uh, we were visiting McKenna's family in June. I bought one at a shop there and then forgot to bring it home with me. But oh. we're going to get it. It's there at her parents' house. We're going to get it. And we're probably going to like, um, we've been doing bonus episodes and we're probably going to do, 
I want to kind of like incorporate game shark stuff as like a side feature because we've been in some of them okay. they've been like variety stuff but f please feel free to tell me about some oh. of what you experienced with the game shark well so far it's the only game i've gotten to work on my game shark since i've used it for the pat i haven't used it in like 20 years but um it it's really only good for turok one if you really don't want to put in those cheaps every time you start playing it oh so if you don't want to put in each code that's really all it's okay. good for on this game it's just, oh, I don't want to put in cheats. Just activate them. That's it. Well, I appreciate the They're teaser on. for the for the game shark. The game <laughs> shark will be in play, uh, in later, yeah, appearances. And there and there are other versions of the game shark, but if you have it, the most updated one is three point three. Okay. I don't. It, I it should say it's somewhere on your game shark. I'm not really uh, knowledgeable with that, <laughs> but mine just has that little sticker. Like, Ooh, nice. there, that's the only reason why I know mine is fancy and sparkly. But I would love to get this to work on other games. I just have not yet. Especially GoldenEye, because I was talking about it has a lot more bonus to GoldenEye, but I won't go into that until... if uh, Gil We've talked too much future. about GoldenEye yeah. and how it, yeah, over well, it overshadows it, poor little Turok. Stop bullying it. Turok. <laughs> we keep bullying Turok with gold. Yeah, you know, uh, GoldenEye. <laughs> Yeah, that's always well, been the problem with the game, but it's still worth playing, absolutely. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, I think uh, same sentiment with mm. the try it out, especially if you have a Switch. Yeah, I'm playing it through on the Switch, and I'm enjoying it, even though I'm not really a big first-person fan. Uh, the platforming feels smooth, mm -hmm. a lot smoother. It feels good. The game uh, it feels much fa more fast-paced, oh, yeah. too. I'm, like, fucking flying yeah, around in this. Zooming through the game. It's so it's, awesome. Yeah, I love it's it. It's fun. <laughs> I think it's the FPS jump with yeah, the Switch or yeah. the, on any new console remaster. It just goes much faster mm -hmm. besides yeah. the vision increase. I saw, obviously, but yeah, you definitely... I saw on the Switch, like, that it does dip more than, like, the other releases because, you know, the Switch isn't the hardware isn't as good or whatever, but I haven't really had that problem. Like, yeah. But I also don't notice that stuff as much. So. You thought they were extinct. They're back. Mutated and far more dangerous. Now they want the Earth back. Only one man with mammoth firepower and a taste for big game can make dinosaurs extinct again. Turok, dinosaur hunter, from acclaim. We have dipped our toes into our next games, so everyone be ready for next month where we're doing another twofer. We're going to be talking about FIFA Soccer 64 and Blast Core, which, is, which should be a... I don't know. It's been, it's been, well, we don't want to spoil where, how we feel yet, but <laughs> it's going to be a fun episode. Um, thanks. Thanks to both, both of you guys for coming on. This is a great episode. It was great talking to you. And uh, we appreciate your, uh, all your different, your different insights on, on the Turok games. Turok yeah. game. <laughs> no, no problem. Glad we were, glad we were here. You know, yeah. happy to be part yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, definitely love to have you back sometime. Mm -hmm. Um, as for us, well, actually, don't mean to be rude. Why don't you guys plug your stuff first? Tell people, uh, Jay, we talked about your YouTube, but throw out all your plugs. 
Yes, plug in time, baby. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at idolismj. That is I D O L I S M J. Uh, pretty big on Twitter, if I must say so myself. <laughs> I'm a uh, when it comes to the fighting game community, I'm like a B plus niche celebrity. So <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want if you want the good posts, you go there. Uh, but I'm also on Blue Sky uh, at idolismj.social.bsky or whatever that that is. <laughs> Um, because Blue Sky is actually kind of rad and uh, it is. a great replacement, a great replacement for whack ass Twitter. That's actually how I found the pod of all things, because I never would have found it on whack ass Twitter. I found uh-huh. it on Blue Sky, and that's that's how we were here. Um, but the big important one is also if you want to go to my YouTube channel, which is uh, a very very good YouTube channel, I must say so myself. It is once again mm-hmm. Idolism J I D O L I S M J, just the letter J. Uh, I do video essays on a variety of topics, but primarily non-review structured formats. So that is talking about like critique and analysis of certain things, but not actually reviewing games outside of the long-form series I have that is covering chronologically all the Final Fantasy games. Outside of that, you can just find general non-review topic-based videos out of myself as well as using my extensive fighting game knowledge to help make competitive primers and breakdowns for old kind of unknown fighting games and how to play them competitively uh once again youtube at idolism j it's the good i I highly recommend it five stars i've been been enjoying Uh, your channel lately (laughs) and yeah i uh your i agree your sentiments about blue sky it's pretty chill place um i'm glad (laughs) i'm glad we we met it was great it was great to have you on hopefully we we cover some fighting games you can come back on i i know what games you're interested in too so yeah to peek behind the curtain goo was like hey so what other games would you like to be on here and i just sent like i sent like i looked at like the next year of releases and i wrote down the games that i'm familiar with and i stepped back and i was like that's all the shitty fighting games (laughs) huh interesting how that happens Mm. well it's (laughs) It's almost like it's almost like i have a genre i'm a specialist in (laughs) well it's great because i i'm sure as you heard on our other fighting games we covered we brought brought in my good pal connor because both of us are we're like really crappy at them we don't know anything about them so uh we always appreciate having some experts on too because when i hear like the people who are really into it talk about it like i really understand it and appreciate it it's just like you know what i mean it's just not like fully clicked with me in a way so yeah really appreciate those you, you gotta have you gotta have the freak you gotta have the freak gene for fighting yeah. games. Uh, it's, it's, you're a sicko or you're not a sicko it's really <laughs> that kind of thing um, but I'm, I'm done that's all my plugs quaid you got it yeah Go ahead. quaid what do you so want I, i'll be pretty short i just got my my twitter and my blue sky handle at quaid runner i think my youtube's the same way on there i just put like uploads of uh one game i play a lot of once in a while it's called ultimate double dragon and it's just a improved version of super if you ever played that on the super nintendo um other than that it's really just posting a few other things here and there and i'm always always active on the discords yes uh, whenever there's discussion you always see me up there and i'm always working on fun emoji ideas to plug to plug you i would plug our discord because you're such a great uh, addition (laughs) always making the fun emojis (laughs) always present at game nights Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. We're oh, bu- those are always a fun time. We're always building stuff with people. you in Minecraft. Yeah. Oh, going on adventures. 
It's a great time. Right? Everybody, everybody piling in on the, the gourmet race channel to see what the hell they're kind of oh, cooking yeah. up. You got, you got the good <laughs> shit going yeah. on. Out, if you're looking to drool over some good food, you ought to head over to the yeah. gourmet race channel. The, the, the food channel in the, in the Flashback up. 64. It's popular <laughs> channel. That. Hey, everybody loves food. McKenna is yeah. a wonderful cook and McKenna's got this. Yeah, McKenna's got this thing on lock. <laughs> <laughs> it's my domain. <laughs> Okay, so as for us, we want we always want to thank our pals Corey and Nico for doing coming up with our logo and our uh, soundtrack, mm-hmm. our theme, respectively. Uh, thank you, as always. Uh, you can, you know, that we're on a million things. So whatever you're listening on, you do the like, subscribe, mm-hmm. review, <laughs> comment. You know, whatever whatever thing you're listening on, stop right now. Go into the other features and do all that stuff um we're on twitter and blue sky we're flashback 64 pod on both of those oh we have we have instagram now too yeah um i don't we're flat, we on search flashback 64 <laughs> if if you can think of a way to contact us you can email us at flashback 64 <laughs> at pod at gmail um i'm trying to get it covered on most things that i can stand to look at and use mm-hmm. But we'll see. We're we're in places. <laughs> we're on, in places. Online. We're online. <laughs> um, and yeah, we had got our Discord below, which is mm-hmm. I think the best place to come and talk to us. Like I said, mm-hmm. you talk about food and whatever else. It's a fun place. Um, and we're on Patreon now too. We have Patreon, uh, Flashback sixty four on Patreon. Um, just one dollar to just support the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, Quaid is a superstar patron. Uh, so thank you for being a patron and a guest on the show. A uh, <laughs> uh, man of many Do roles. Uh, yeah, other than, other than that, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you when we talk about FIFA Soccer 64 and Blast Core. <laughs> <laughs>